Hello and welcome to the Maluli Asset Management Podcast. Today is September 10th, 2014. This is Brendan and today Tom and I are here to talk about private placements and our general disdain for them. <laughs> That's a good way of saying it. So <laughs> we a nice need, way of saying it. Yeah, we really need to talk about this because more and more we're starting to see some really creepy deals uh, come out of the woodwork. And as we are starting to bring in more and more accounts from other firms, we're finding buried in these brokerage accounts are some some real-time bombs, yeah. some things that have been really uh, um, not properly sold. Yeah. Because when I interview new clients and talk about, hey, how did you get this private placement for a movie deal in mm. your brokerage account, they can't even remember. Yeah. You know, we get uh, we get emails about these things too, right? From it's, wholesaler type guys. It's shameful because their subject line on their emails will be earn seven to ten percent commission this week, yeah. which is pretty alarming. Yeah, we'll, certainly... we'll talk about that a little later. Yeah, yeah. So a private, what is a private placement? Well, it's a it's a a sale of securities to a relatively small number of investors. It's a way to raise capital without going through all the proper registrations that a stock or a bond or a mutual fund normally would. Yeah, so these are not registered with the SEC, these securities. Um, and they're usually a way of raising income for startup or small businesses. Right. So it's not something that's going to be listed on a stock exchange. Uh, and it's usually... In many cases, it is the money, the yeah. seed money for a new company. Yeah. So every year, companies are raising billions of dollars. Uh, billions you know, with a B. Yeah. Selling these securities and non-public offerings to uh, investors. Um, right on the FINRA website, it actually describes these as risky and can tie up money for a long time. So, I mean, that should be a red flag right there. I mean, that's information you can look up right on the web from a pretty reliable source. Yeah, and, and FINRA is being kind when they say they can tie yeah. up your money for a long time. It they can, can't tell you what they really mean. Because yeah, <laughs> it, it may mean like you'll never see this money again, which happens more than people are led to believe. Yeah. And th there's part of that is because this money is going into usually some kind of startup company or some kind of project that has no track record. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's really limited information on, on the company issuing these securities. So whether you're an individual looking for this information or you're going to your advisor or broker and asking questions about it, chances are that there's not going to be that much out there on, on this company because a lot of these companies aren't even required to report financial information. Yeah, because it's a private placement, they have less uh, scrutiny in terms of what they need to report. I'm just going to go off the outline and talk about, you know, when I got started in the business, uh, there were brokers that were selling these oil and gas limited partnerships. You would put in $10,000. You would not get any income from them whatsoever, but you would get what they called three to one or four to one write-offs. So you would get tax write-offs generating for your $10,000, or $40,000. That was real value to people who needed write-offs. But, you know, ERISA 
eliminated all of that and Tefra eliminated the rest of them in the 1980s. So what's left? Well, they raise money for movie deals. They try and raise money for apartment buildings or shopping malls. I mean, some really crazy deals. This is not like buying 50 shares of IBM. So they have to make these deals available to accredited investors. And that's a term. Brendan, you want to walk them through what that means? Yeah, I mean, there are specific um, income requirements that, that you have to be able to pass. We won't get into the specifics. The bottom line is you need a lot of money to be considered an accredited investor. And there's a reason why they sell these things mostly to accredited investors. And that's because... You're probably you know, going to lose all your money. Yeah, you they, they don't want these people to get blown up. So if it's a really rich person getting sold this thing, then if, the, if they lose all of their money, then hopefully that doesn't completely... You know, yeah. force them into bankruptcy or anything. And that's what's really um, upsetting when we sit down with new clients here in the office and we see these investments in their portfolio. We know that they may not be an accredited investor, but yet some person along the way decided, hey, I'm going to sell them this piece yeah. of junk. Well, yeah. Uh, and a lot of times, there are a certain number of non-accredited investors that can invest in these things, and right. that's and that's where you see you know the average Joe getting into some kind of private placement that usually isn't suitable for him. Well, Brendan, her. you you actually you know put the you know hit the nail on the head when you said the question that we need to ask clients is can you af can you afford to absorb a loss or have that money tied up for a really, really long period of time, like maybe 10 or 20 years, mm -hmm. years. Yeah. So they're, you know, these things are restricted securities. It's not, there's not a listed market for them, so you can't sell it back to the company. Yeah. You can't sell it on an exchange. You'll have to find someone to buy your piece of junk and good yeah. luck with that. Yeah. Good luck getting anything close to what you paid for it back, even if you can find a buyer. Yeah, that's that's a tough deal. There were a lot of real estate limited partnerships that were sold in the 80s and into the 90s that just blew up and there was no way to go about it. And every once in a while, you knew the real estate market was coming back because some firm you never heard of started sending you mail saying, hey, we'll give you 10 cents on a dollar for your deal. Yeah. Because they knew that, hey, in a year or two, we're going to be able to flip this for a nice gain. Mm -hmm. So, uh, both Brendan and I are avid fans of Josh Brown. Yeah. Uh, he's got a website, The Reform Broker. Great site. And he's got uh, what he calls the law of product compensation. You yeah. want to tell them what that is? <laughs> Josh's law states that the more brokers paid to sell a particular product, the worse that product is for their clients. That's right. That and is 100% right. We agree with that. Yeah. We, and and. <laughs> I've seen it going back to the 80s. I mean, I had a, a sales manager who told me the same thing. You know mm -hmm. what? Brokers get paid the least for the things that are the best for their clients. They get paid the least on buying stocks and bonds for their clients, which are the right things to do. But, you know, when you have to get involved in these crazy deals where brokers are getting paid 7 and 10%, 7% up to 10% commission, there's something wrong there. Yeah. So, and... You know, there's something else that you need to, to think about. How many other people passed up on this opportunity to invest in this deal before it came to you? Yeah. 
I mean, if, if this company was really good, then there would, you know, the, the company's owners would have, like, family or friends that could help them, or they would get venture capital money sure. or something else. They'd and get angel investors. Instead, get, yeah. they're paying a broker 7 to 10% commission to push their pile of crap on you. Yeah. <laughs> So it's important to know, though, when we talk about different investments in these podcasts, that none of the securities that we mention represent past specific recommendations of Maluli Asset Management, especially private placements. And this podcast is not a recommendation to buy or sell private placements or any securities that we happen to mention here. But more importantly, if you're relying on a podcast for investment advice, we think you might be making a mistake, and so we strongly urge our listeners to always consult with their investment advisor before making that decision to buy or to sell an investment. Now, if you don't have an investment advisor, we'd be happy to answer whatever questions you have. There's no cost. There's no obligation. Just pick up the phone. You can call us here in New Jersey at 732 223 or you can always find us on the web at maluli.net. All right, that's all we have for now. We'll be back next week with a new topic, and thanks for listening.